Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Today we want to discuss health insurance. Uh, In order for all of us to remain healthy, it's really important that we visit the doctor and that we have regular checkups, of course. However, if you don't have health insurance, you know, that could be almost impossible. I was removed from my parents' health insurance when I turned 18. Um, So except for a two-year period, I had no health insurance from the time I was 18 until I was about 30 years old. So that means out of that time span, there was 10 years that I never saw a doctor. Uh, If I did have any type of extreme emergency, then I just go to the emergency room. And of course we know how astronomical those charges at the hospital can be. Um, Right now, the average cost for top surgery in the United States is anywhere between $3,500 and $9,000. And to me, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I personally do not know many people. Okay, I'm lying. I only know of two people that would be able to drop that amount of money on a surgery. And I would say that 99% of the people that I follow from our Instagram page are trans men. And every single day I scroll past so many guys who have GoFundMe accounts to help pay for their testosterone, their top surgery, or their gender reassignment surgeries. Um, If you've looked at our website, you'll see that we actually help people obtain health insurance and we help them find doctors that can prescribe their testosterone or perform their top and bottom surgeries. And I know that one of the chief complaints that I receive is that people do not have health insurance. Or if they have health insurance, they're saying that their services are not covered, the ones that they want. So since a lot of them, a lot of people out here don't have health insurance or the proper health insurance, I know a lot of them are, f- are forced to, you know, raise the funds themselves. And that's why you see so many of the GoFundMe accounts. And then you also have, you know, special cases like me. I actually had some complications with my surgery and my bill ended up coming to $56,000. It's $56,737.68 to be exact. And the fact that one week in the hospital could amount to that much was unreal to me. So again, I say that surgery would have never been possible. And one of the reasons I'm mentioning this is because we now have access to the healthcare marketplace. So even if you aren't able to obtain insurance through your job, you know, where you work, you can still go there and pick out what type of insurance you want, which is very beneficial for a lot of us. Well, What happens when you do have surgery, but your insurance doesn't want to cover your procedure? Or what happens when the doctors or the insurance company, you know, just keeps giving you the running around, doing things like changing your surgery date, things like that? Well, I thought that it was important to address the topic of health insurance, and that's why we're talking about it today. My approval process was a little complicated, and I personally wish that I had someone that was able to talk me through those steps and help me fight with my insurance company. Um, Honestly, when you don't know what you're doing, health insurance can be extremely complicated. I was always confused by surgery, 
not surgery, buy health insurance. And when I would go to pick out which plan I wanted when I was working, it was just always so complicated to me. So I know I can't be the only one, uh, you know, struggling with that. Um, but today, to help us with that, we have a very special special guest on our show. Um, we'll be speaking with Kelso. And Kelso is a... Uh, surgical coordinator. He's the transgender surgical coordinator uh, at his clinic. So if you're not familiar with what a surgical coordinator is, you all know that I'm all too happy to tell you. Um, A surgical coordinator actually performs duties relevant to surgical operations. So that includes surgery, scheduling, um, keeping patient records, entering post-surgical data, and scheduling surgical equipment. Um, it might also include some other administrative duties. So today, as I said, we have Kelso, who has been so gracious to take some time out of his day to give us some information when it comes to health insurance. And he's very familiar with insurance carriers who cover transgender surgeries and which carriers have exclusions and how to work around them. So... Um, just in case you don't know, exclusions generally mean instances where your insurance carrier is not required to cover that service. So we're going to go ahead and get into this conversation. And just remember, again, if you have any questions or contributions, we would love your feedback. All right, let's get to it. All right, everyone. So today we have Kelso. And he is actually, well, he used to be a surgical coordinator. Well, he's a surgical ah, a surgical coordinator now, and he used to be an insurance coordinator. Um, so we really do appreciate him being on the show, and he's going to be able to help us with some different questions. So um, it's a pleasure to meet you, Kelso. You as well. Thank you. All right. And so one of the first things I did want to ask is what made you want to be a surgical coordinator and how long have you, you know, been working in this field? So to be honest with you, in this field, I've been here for about a year and a half only. Um, it'll be kind of a shock. I used to be a bounty hunter before this. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, I've kind of worked in every single job you can imagine. Um, when I was younger, I just was simply asked what I want to be when I grew up. I said I wanted to help people. So I tried to fill all these gaps to try and help people. And then finally, when I applied for this job on a whim, and I really got to experience what the transgender community was about, you know, I used to be a vice president for my, um, you know, LBGTQ um, clubs in high school and everything. But Mm -hmm. I wasn't really, I wasn't really aware of how large the transgender community was. And when I really found out about, you know, dysphoria and really learned about what the whole transgender community has to go through, to be who they really are. It really just, this is exactly where I, I want it to be. This is where I feel the most comfortable and happy helping people. I get to help people change their lives. It's just wow. beautiful. So I love it. That's, that's really awesome. I definitely know yeah. people like you are needed just being there to help people reach that new level or become the person that they've always wanted to be. So that's really it, amazing. And I, honestly, it, it, is, it is so rewarding um, you know, seeing people's transformation from who they were and who they, you know, didn't accept to who they are now. And a lot of these people that I see, you know, if I, if I wasn't as trained in transgenderism as I am, 
you would have no idea that these people have even gone through a transition. Right. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. Right. So, yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, okay. So I did have to touch on one other thing. You said you were a bounty hunter and yeah. <laughs> how long did you do that for? That's pretty interesting. I've never met anyone that was a bounty hunter. Uh, I did that for about a year before this. Um, I used to work for Aladdin Bail Bonds. I can just drop that right there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was just interesting. Uh, I used to work in, I was 18, I was a caseworker in jails. Um, and then I've just kind of just had every single job you literally can imagine since then. Um, wow. And then I just didn't really like the bounty hunter life. You know, obviously it doesn't sound as thrilling as it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I was working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I said, no, I have oh. a kid, I have a family. I need to just, I need to right. calm down. So I got right. out of that business and found a nine to five and it's perfect. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to help people, like you said, when you're little. So that's pretty awesome. Exactly. You, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Okay. So I know you said you used to be an insurance coordinator. Mm-hmm. When you were an insurance coordinator, um, what were like your primary duties that you had? So when I was an insurance coordinator, obviously I would um, review the person's insurance and do what's called a verification of benefits. And what this mm-hmm. lets me know is uh, if you have any other insurance, you know, on file, generally a lot of people don't, uh, don't. However, if you do have a secondary insurance, you do got to let your primary insurance know about that. So they can do what's called a coordination of care. Um, a lot of people will get um, kind of screwed over by their insurance if they don't tell each other's insurance what's going on. Um, now, so I did the VOB and I would ascertain if you had transgender benefits or not. And that's the biggest thing that a lot, that that's going to be the biggest hurdle for all transgender surgeries. So what I always recommend to people is if, when you're looking into a new insurance plan, blatantly ask if there's transgender benefit policy, um, they'll, they'll ask you questions like, well, do you have a diagnosis code for that? And yeah, the diagnosis code is F as in Frank 64.1. And that way they can actually look inside of your eligibility of benefits to find out if that's a benefit listed. Um, <clears throat> so I would do all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when it comes down to actually submitting for your, for your case to the insurance company, I would draft up your prior authorization, including your WPATH approved letters. And we would send it off to your insurance company and wait for them to go through the medical review process to get it approved. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And then I would notify patients if it was approved, if there was a denial, I'd explain how we can work through the denials. Um, now, now when we did receive denials, what I tried to do though, was take as much pressure off the patient as possible. And I would try and find a flaw in the denial. Okay. So that I could argue from a provider standpoint, why this is a flawed denial. And I'd say maybe 80% of the time I was able to get it overturned just based on it, just based on them flying the denial wow that's significant yeah okay so i did want to touch on a few of those things um Mm -hmm. for our listeners one of the main things you're talking about coordination of care so if they have more than one insurance they definitely need to let them know up exactly and what that does is that if for any reason something goes wrong when it comes down to your insurance Mm -hmm. and the other insurance is not aware that you have this other insurance, they may not cover you because you weren't open with them. So yeah, so you can actually get hit with a substantial bill and 
for everyone listening out there, phalloplasties are $180,000 out of your pocket. Oh my goodness. If, if you don't have insurance, so. Wow, that's so yeah. much. I, it's, ridi- it's ridiculous. It really is. I know that I've only had top surgery. Okay. Uh, but I had some complications during my mm-hmm. surgery. And luckily I had insurance because my bill came to like $57,000. Yep. Um, it, it was crazy because, you know, they were saying if you pay out of pocket, you know, maybe save up like five six thousand dollars mm-hmm. Thinking if I had gone that route, I would have been really messed up. So insurance. Totally. And, and yeah. I'd say my biggest piece of advice when you guys do have your insurance and you guys are looking at it, um, when it comes to getting billed for your insurance, to have your insurance company cover the whole entire surgery at 100%, mm-hmm. you're going to want to pay up to your out-of-pocket max. Sometimes that's going to be seven to $10,000. It okay. really varies, but it's way worth it paying up to your out-of-pocket max than just paying your deductible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like, say for example, you just pay your deductible $500. Okay. You'll still have what the co-insurance responsibility, which mm-hmm. means that your insurance will cover 80% of all the surgeries, but you're okay. still stuck with 20% of the bill. Gotcha. So it could come out to, you know, $100,000 surgery. You still got to pay $20,000 on it. Right. So just bite the bullet, pay the, pay whatever your out-of-pocket max is and just have your insurance fully cover it. Uh, because then if you need revisions, if you have complications, your revisions mm-hmm. are going to be a hundred percent covered until the, ca- until the next calendar year. So take okay. full advantage of that if you guys can. Okay. That is an awesome, awesome tip. Um, yeah. so I, I really appreciate you telling us that. Sure. Okay, so the other part I wanted to touch on, because um, we do help, for any of you listening, um, if you're familiar, we help you get health insurance, and um, we help you register um, for health insurance to help you pick plans that will work. So um, as he had mentioned before, um, I know you said the code was F64.1. Yeah, that's correct. That's going to be what's called the diagnosis code. Okay. And when it's called the DX code. Um, and so when you're talking to your insurance company and they, so, okay, I'm going to be even more honest. A lot of insurance reps have no idea what transgender benefits are. Um, they, you're literally calling into a call center. Um, and a lot of call centers are actually based out of the United States on the Philippine Island. Okay. So a lot of them aren't able to understand. So if you ever get to someone who doesn't understand what you're talking about, best thing I can say is ask for a supervisor. And if they say the supervisor is in Big tip about supervisors, they're literally sitting there monitoring all the calls. So there's always a supervisor available. Right. Okay. That is, you know, I've, I've noticed that too with calling call centers. You can tell when I was dealing with my insurance, I could tell they had no idea yep. what you're talking about, putting put yep. you on so long. And yeah. So, okay. That, that is true. I can see them not necessarily knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right, let's just move forward. So now you said you are a uh, surgical coordinator. Correct. So what are your, uh, what are your, what are your duties <laughs> now? So duties now as a surgical coordinator. So aside from just scheduling patients for surgery, uh, there's just so much more into what goes on into surgery. Um, Obviously, there's the consultation that you guys have to, you know, have with the surgeon, and then I get to review the encounter notes and kind of see exactly what kind of surgery you're looking into, because obviously there's metoidoplasties, phalloplasties, and then there's three different types of phalloplasties you can get. 
So mm -hmm. I have to really read about what we're going to be scheduling you for. And depending on the type of surgery, it's mm -hmm. going to be, it's going to uh, determine which facility I put you at. Okay. And then on top of that, I have to look at your insurance and see which facilities that we usually utilize are going to be in network with your insurance. Because the best thing, because the best thing that we're going to try and do is just lower your overall costs. We try and make everything in network. Okay. Um, and now, uh, just a quick tip for people listening. Um, if you ever encounter someone who's out of network for your insurance company, request that, that your insurance company does what's called an in-network exception request. And just explain that there's no surgeons available in your network who can do this complex surgery. And oh. then nine times out of 10, they'll approve a surgeon outside of your network. Awesome. That, that's an awesome tip, <laughs> for real. Yeah, okay. so just qu so quick tip on that. So then when, so uh, going back to the whole scheduling people, I then have to review people's letters. There's one to three letters, as you guys know, three letters for bottom surgery, one letter for top surgery. Uh, this is just the WPATH requirements. Now, unfortunately, a lot of you guys don't know this, is that some insurance companies have imposed their own policies on top of WPATH uh, criteria. For example, uh, Anthem Blue Cross, the PPO plans, they mm -hmm. now require two mental health letters for top surgery. Now, it's I since first off, that's not part of the WPATH, you know, criteria. You can argue with them and get, you know, get around it, but they're pretty much sticklers about it now. The good news about having to get two mental health letters for your top surgery is that you only need your hormone provider letter to get your phalloplasty or your bottom surgery after that. So it's kind of it's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's kind of beneficial in the long run. Okay. Um, and then what I'll do is after looking at your insurance, like I said, I'll try and figure out which facility is going to be best for you. And then from there, I'm guiding you from your consultation all the way through your actual surgery. Um, I'll be doing your, you know, your uh, FMLA paperwork. We'll be, you know, communicating with EDD if we have to, if that's for people here in California. Um, so we do all that kind of stuff. We'll help you find accommodations. Um, we'll help you find electrolysis providers. So we kind of just, we kind of do everything through the whole process and then we'll maybe see you through the first post-operative appointment. But then after that, you know, it's just kind of follow up as needed and that's about it. Okay. That's awesome. So I, I actually thought that you needed two letters. Well, I know when I had mine, uh -huh. I, ended up getting, I had to have two letters. It was from the same doctor, but I had to see her twice. So interesting. interesting. Now, out of curiosity, if you don't, and now you are more than welcome not to answer this. What was your insurance company? Is Ed Star? Have you heard? Of I that? have not heard of that. Now, this is something that. So, my my company personally, we work with certain insurance companies that we've been successful with. We found that some insurance companies were not to exclusions built in plans or their unwillingness to even pay us for surgery. Wow. Um, yeah, insurance companies have a tactic of stalling and they only have so many months to pay mm -hmm. before it's considered a write-off. Wow. So yeah, so a lot of really private insurance companies, um, like small little mom and pop, I guess, I don't even know if mom and pop insurance companies exist, but ones that aren't as known uh, worldwide or anything like that, right. those are the ones that we run into the biggest issue with. Okay. But I'm surprised that they, that, that they required you to have two. Um, now, my theory is that they wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a one-time evaluation. Uh -huh. 
where it was determined that, you know, you truly have gender dysphoria and that you were ready for surgery. I know that some places will require something similar, like an addendum or follow-up. Okay. Um, but each insurance company is different and, and each review nurse sadly is different. So it really, it comes down to luck of the draw. And sadly enough, it's the review nurses who make the determine, who make the recommendation to approve or deny. And then the medical director follows their recommendation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know as well. Yeah. So it's good to, <laughs> if you're good with the nurse, that's good starting off. Exactly. Now, um, if you do, if anyone ever runs into a denial, I'm sure you guys are aware of appeals. Um, what you're unaware of, though, most of the time is that there's two levels to appeals. The first level was directly with your insurance company. And they're like, now nah, we're going to stand by our medical decision. You can request what's, uh, what's called an uh, external medical review. Uh, okay. And then you can, you can send and you can basically appeal it to a second higher level. That's a third party essentially, and they'll look at it from an outside insurance point of view. Oh, okay. um, And so I've seen those be rather successful. Now that can take up to 45 to 90 days to get those okay. appeals taken okay. care of. But if you guys are willing to fight for what you want and what you believe in, mm. I've seen it be very successful through the second round of appeals. Okay. That's great. That is good news. That kind of leads into what I was going to ask next, I was going to say, do you see a lot of people who are denied for their surgeries? Now, so I, I, I primarily schedule for male to female uh, surgeries. So I do a lot of facial feminization, uh, breast augmentations, everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I do, I do schedule for, you know, female to male people. That's usually my other scheduler who does it, okay. but we, but we both schedule for each other. So I know a lot about the uh, female to male process. Um, right. When it comes to the female to male, I don't receive, we don't get as many denials, I'd say, um, only because uh, there's two categories in which surgeries are looked at. They're either looked at as cosmetic or functional. And okay. since, um, you know, obviously a, a, a place, a penis or phallus or a metoidoplasty, those are functioning body parts. And so it's hard to deny those. The only reason, the only times you come into denials is something like cosmetic, like calf implants, pectoral implants, mm. um, any, anything like that, will, which will enhance the, the aesthetic appearance. Those right. are usually, those are going to be usually denied. Um, okay. e even though you still have gender dysphoria over the fact that you may not have a masculine chest, mm -hmm. they still consider it cosmetic, sadly. Um, now, for the denials itself, the only times we really receive denials is for uh, just basic exclusions to your policy. Um, okay. a, a lot of employee-based policies, uh, like Aetna, stuff like that, UHC, um, they, they will have some exclusions. I know that religious insurance companies, like anything like Lutheran, anything, they will have, restri they will have exclusions for transgender surgery okay. so it's really it really comes down to your insurance and what you have right. so i so my biggest piece of advice is if you don't know if your insurance will cover your surgery just straight up call them and ask if you have transgender benefits or not All right if they if they say you don't and this is a work policy go to your hr representative and ask them to lift the exclusion because oh. 
they okay. can do that because you're paying into the health policy so they can they can lift these exclusions for you it might take a little bit but you do have that option to lift the exclusion okay wow that is some good that is some good advice okay yeah we'll bring hr into it um Certainly. i know yeah i didn't i really didn't know that was possible so that's yep. that's um i know we've had a lot of guys that opted not to have their work insurance and then they just purchased insurance through um like on their own since mm-hmm. we now have the the healthcare marketplace yeah. that we can do that with so i know that that has been pretty helpful definitely um, for a lot of guys out there now and um, like I, like i said just my biggest piece of advice is when you're shopping around for insurance just blatantly ask them if transgender benefits is ex- is included in there um, because if it is, game on. <laughs> and then also, an- another big tip that I recommend is most insurance companies will have travel benefits um, built into your plan as well. Uh, a lot of insurance companies will cover up to $10,000 per surgery. Wow. Which means so- that, so if you have travel benefits, like again, ask if you have them. If they say yes, your airfare will be covered. Your hotel will be covered. Your wow taxi, rental car, all that will be covered up to the amount that they'll allot you. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that either. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. So you said, just ask them about your, what, what was that again? It's called, it's called travel benefits. Okay. Travel. Yeah. Just simply ask them for that. Um, now when it comes to accommodations and stuff like that, uh, that, like I said, is covered under your travel benefits. But for all the veterans out there who are going through surgery, uh, Airbnb offers uh, free housing for people undergoing surgery um, who are who are veterans. So wow. I'm personally, I've been looking into it to try and find out more information. I've only gotten so far. So you guys as the consumer, please reach out and figure out which nonprofits they work with to offer these things. Because, wow. if, you can, because if you can take advantage of anything to lower your overall costs and stress about going through this life-changing procedure, I fully, I fully recommend taking advantage of all your resources available. That's perfect. I'm definitely going to look into that further today. Yeah, um, please do. That, um, that would be amazing to help, especially for the veterans. Cause I know we have so many yeah. um, veterans that do follow us. So that's now great. speaking to you veterans out there. I do guys, I do guys have to warn you about the blue cross blue shield federal employment Uh, program. It's called uh, BCBS FEP. Um, So for the federal employees out there who are on federally uh, funded plans such as BCBS, um, revisions are an exclusion. You cannot get revision. They will not cover any revisions um, at all. And you have to jump through a massive um, ring of fire to even get your initial surgery. You have to get what's called a G9635 or I think that's the code name. That's basically the authorization that gives you transgender benefit surgery. Um, okay. But then the, the downside is, is that once that code is used once for your initial surgery, it can't be used ever again. So they will, they will deny all revisions. So wow. heed caution on that um, with, with all you veterans. So you may even want to find potentially your own, uh, another plan should you need revisions. Um, I know that for, for the, um, for all you ALT guys out there, you guys are going to have to undergo, you know, lipectomy, which is, you know, liposuction of the phallus because 
that's a lot of tissue fat right there. So you are going to have to go under revision if you decide to go for ALT. And if you're a FEP, they're not going to cover that. So just beware of that big thing that you guys need to worry about. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Sure. Everyone out there is very appreciative of that information. Certainly. And I'm not trying to scare any of you guys. I'm just trying to give you guys as much uh, caution and as right. much information as possible because the last thing, my biggest, my biggest issue is when I have someone breaking down in front of me because they're right. unable to get their surgery because right. they just are unaware of what their insurance is about. So re, it's like educate yourselves, like educate yourselves as best as possible to um, really know the ins and outs of this whole thing. Just so if anyone says no, you can be like, uh, not supposed to be this way. So right. I recommend that approach too. Yeah, this is perfect information that you're giving. And yeah, I know it's not to, you know, make anyone discouraged or anything, but it's definitely better to know ahead of time. A hundred percent. One into it than, you know, to look back and be like, oh, I could have done this or that yep. to change the outcome. Exactly. So that's, that's exactly. Cool. Okay. Um, well, I did have another question um, about mm -hmm. the approval process. So generally, how long does that approval process take for now, a surgery? from when we initially submit your surgery to the actual when when you guys will receive notice in the mail of an approval um it depends on the insurance company i know that for example blue shield of california over here in california they take five days to authorize a case because it's that's wow. written that's written into them that they have to review and give you a determination within five days um okay. some places are seven to ten like i know united healthcare is usually on average about seven days. Sometimes they can take up to 14. Um, oh. Like Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, Minnesota, Massachusetts, anything like that, they are an absolute pain in the butt because what you have to do is submit what's called a predetermination for them to even decide if they'll take on the case or not. And then we have to submit an uh, a pre-authorization to them. So for those insurance companies, it takes up to 45 days. Wow. So it can take anywhere from five days to get an authorization to 45. So that's kind of your, that's kind of your date range. And that's why we personally submit about two to three months. We were trying to submit as far as three months in advance, mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that if we receive any hiccups along the way, we can still work through them and still get you that surgery at that time. Um, but you as well can also call in and check up on your case and expedite it if you'd like to as well. So you guys are you guys are more than welcome to annoy your own insurance company. <laughs> that's that's good advice too. I know I yeah. definitely have on there quite a few times to get the ball rolling. Oh yeah, definitely. And a lot of them will sit on it too because they don't know how to approach it. And then right. so it's especially maybe a small one like yours, they will just not know what to do with it at all. And they'll be like, uh so right. yeah, so please feel free to just start annoying your insurance company. And when you guys have a surgical coordinator where you guys have a patient coordinator, when you guys are finally going through your process, you know, really form, form a bond with us because we'll, we, we have your back a hundred percent. I have bent over backwards. I have, I've, I've been about to fly in an airplane calling the transgender coordinator of a big insurance company to get someone approved. So we will literally bend over backwards for you guys because we don't want you, we don't want anyone to suffer anymore. Right. So we, so just tell us what you need and we'll make everything happen. Thank you. That that's that's just wonderful to hear. Yeah. That 
we do have people inside that are fighting for us and that actually care. So yeah, this is this is all great. Good. Uh, so I know we touched on a few different insurance plans that seem to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice on insurance plans that people should look into that work well with, um, yeah, when people so, are trying to get. I can't exactly recommend insurance companies. All I can tell you is which ones that we've been the most successful with in getting okay. approvals. So okay. take so take that uh, please to heart. Is so right. uh, extremely successful ones are Anthem Blue Cross, uh, PPOs, um, HMOs as well. Um, if you're here in California, get a managed Medi-Cal plan. Um, do not get partnership though. Partnership they don't pay at all, even though you have transgender benefits, they don't pay. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pain, pain in the ass, um, yeah. you know, but but any other managed Medi-Cal plan, you're totally fine in the state of California. Uh, Aetna oh. is really good, but for you guys looking into top surgery, Aetna will not cover a nipple areola reconstruction. They consider that cosmetic. So really? yes, they, they consider the nipple areola reconstruction cosmetic, which we all know None of what we're what you guys are going through is cosmetic in any way, but right. they just wouldn't want to pay the extra four or five thousand dollars. So be prepared to have to self pay that if you want to go through the nipple areola reconstruction. Now there's also a keyhole um, approach to top surgery where there's no nipple areola reconstruction. So talk mm-hmm. to your surgeon about which one you might benefit from the most if you have that now. Gotcha. Um, Cigna, they're really good. Um, had no issues with them. They will, they're just out of network with a lot of people. Same with Aetna. So you have to do with that in network exception request that I talked about earlier. Okay. Um, yeah, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they cover it. They're just, they just take forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I've, we've worked with Emblem in New York. Emblem works. Uh, okay. They just, they just take a little bit longer. Yeah, so Emblem. I recommend Emblem guys. They're they're fine. Um, they just take a little bit longer sometimes. Okay. Uh, Imperial Health Plan as well. They take a little bit, but we work well with them. Um, so it also comes down to the clinic you guys decide to choose as well. Um, really, you know, I when you guys are, I hate to use the word shopping, but technically you guys are trying to find the best thing possible. Talk right. to the when you guys are talking to the clinics, find out which insurance companies they're in network with um, because you guys want to bring down your overall costs because once you guys go out of network, that out of, that out of pocket max can jump up to 20 or $40,000. So oh. try, try and keep everything in network for yourself right. just to, just to make it as cheap as possible. Um, so those are kind of the insurance companies that I've encountered that are the most easy to work with. Also blue shield of California, forgot about them. Um, but that's, that's who I recommend. Um, HMO plans, generally, you're going to run into a few hurdles. Like you have to get a referral from your primary care physician. You kind of have to jump through more hoops when you have an HMO, like Medicaid, for example. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. It's just going to take longer because right. of the hoops you have to go through. And then you also have to get them to approve the surgeon you're going to go to. So you have to get the consultation referral. So mm-hmm. it's just a pain in the butt, but like I said, guys, if fight for what you want because right. great, great things will happen. Right, right. That's that's so true. So true. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrapped up, I know you talked about a lot. I just want to know if you um, had any other tips that you wanted. You've given so much information, but any other tips that you want? 
Um, you know, honestly, the, the, the biggest tips I can give yourselves is um, I've encountered so many people get completely distraught over denials. Don't think it's the end of the world. And then do, and for, for yourself, never think of yourself as a, as a statistic if you receive a denial, because you guys are never a statistic. My heart goes out to each and every one of you. I am not trans myself. I want to put that out there, but my heart goes out to all of you because I, the, all the, all the mental health letters I've read, I, you guys are suffering. And so clearly when you guys receive a denial, it's going to be heartbreaking, but don't feel, don't feel that all is lost because just remember there's two levels to appeals and fight for what you believe in. And you can, you know, try and form a bond with a review nurse at your insurance company Try and build, just build relationships and just be there for each other. And then other than that, just love yourself. That's it. With those, my, those are my biggest tips for this process is love yourself, find yourself a good supportive group of friends mm-hmm. and just don't, don't look back because this is going to be the best thing that you guys are ever go through. That's awesome. That is awesome. Koso, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day, you know, yeah. to come on the show and to give all this um, advice. I know that we really do appreciate it and the guys out there are really going to appreciate it as well. Of course, guys. And uh, if you guys, you know, love this and you need me to come talk more, please feel free to, to, you know, to let them know because I will make myself available to anyone who just simply has questions. Um, so yeah, I'm here for you guys. So I hope you guys Thank all have a good day. Thank you. And you as well. And we will, you know, most likely be having you back on the show, but thank you again. And I hope you have a great day too. Hey, you have a good one, okay? All right. All right. Well, it's time to wrap things up. Once again, I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in. And remember that you can always follow us on Instagram at trans underscore in underscore formation. If you want to have any of your questions or comments featured, or even if you want your business advertised on our next episode, you can simply send us a DM or an email. Um, You can also visit us at www.transandcolor.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and remember that we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right. Catch us next week.